disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we sail too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. Amen. Gillian was a girl who could never sit still. Sitting in rows behind a desk without getting distracted or distracting the other children didn't work too well for Gillian. She moves around all the time, her teacher complained, and especially arranged parent-teacher heart-to-heart a few months into the school year. One moment she's at a desk, the next she's hopping across the room. I ask her to sit back down and keep still, but she can't do it. She bounces, Mrs. Lynn. She bounces on the spot like a ball. And at lunchtime, she doesn't walk in line with the other children as much as she zigzags to the dining hall. She is causing a great disturbance for the other children. Parents are starting to complain. I'm afraid if she can't color within the lines, then you'll have to look somewhere else for her schooling. So Gillian's mom took her little girl off to see the local doctor. For about half an hour, she dutifully described all that her teacher had complained about while Gillian sat on her hands trying to keep still. The doctor listened patiently, then asked Gillian if it would be all right if he and her mummy stepped outside for a moment for a private word. As he left the room, the doctor turned on a radio that sat on his desk and left the door ajar so that he and the mother could still see into the room. They watched. After a short while, some music began to play on the radio and Gillian began to tap her feet and then her legs. Her arms and her head followed and within 30 seconds, Gillian was up on her feet dancing gleefully around the room. The doctor turned to Gillian's mother and said simply, There's nothing wrong with your daughter, Mrs. Lynn. She's a dancer. Take her to dance school. And so she did. Gillian describes the first moment she walked into the dance school as an utter epiphany. That for the first time in her life, there was a whole room of people just like her people who had to move in order to think. Gillian went on to achieve remarkable success as a student and a few years later auditioned for the Royal Ballet School in London. She got in and eventually became a soloist. And through that solo career, she met composer Andrew Lloyd Webber, with whom she choreographed some of the most successful musicals of all time.
or because her mother had the courage to see that Gillian's problem wasn't that she couldn't color within the lines. The problem was that she was working with the wrong lines to start with. For Gillian to find the stars, she first had to lose sight of the familiarity of a land where keeping still was a requirement. If there is ever a parable for the season of Advent, especially on this Gaudate Sunday when we are called to rejoice, it is the story of Gillian Lynn. For Gillian's story is one of joy and movement and exploration offered to the world by a body previously locked into a space for being that it was never intended to prosper within. It is a story of a life which expanded the frame of its reference points of breaking out of an old dispensation to find life and freedom. It is a story of hope in a place of anxiety. And it is a story where we might find ourselves too and what constrains us on our journey to freedom and life. Like John, who chose the wilderness as his space for proclamatory freedom, we too must be prepared to lose sight of land, lose sight of the familiar, trusting that it is the wilderness's lack of control and limitation that enables it to be safe ground for our journey from religious tourism to spiritual maturity. For the Advent truth that is being born in us with the herald of Christ's coming is the one that tells us that unless we are prepared to color outside of the lines, we will never dance our way out of Egypt, out of our old patterns of living, and into the freedom of the promise of abundant life God lays out for all his children. God cannot be found within the boxes we build for him or her. Nor can we make the great mystery of the incarnation reasonable or even probable. It is a wonder beyond the limits and one that has the capacity to uncover that deeper wonder that abides in each of us. Advent's double helix Jesus, both the babe in the manger and the cosmic apocalyptic Christ, is intended to be a theological experience that unseats us. Just when we think we know the Jesus who lies in the manger, the one who has sold so many millions of Hallmark cards, then the other Jesus, the one whose second coming looks frightful, even dangerous, strides onto the scene. I wonder, then, what image of God have you been invited to undo this Advent? Which divine life have you unwittingly domesticated, colored strictly within the lines? It is because Advent is a season of reaching across the borderlines, of stretching our theological imaginations, that it is the right time of year for us to be dwelling again this Sunday on John. One of the most wondrous things about the character of John the Baptist is his enigma. He is not the Messiah. 
the anointed one of the Judaic imagination who might restore the people to their rightful place as a nation in their own land. He is not Elijah, whose return the Levites and the priests hope will come to settle their disputes, to sort out the clean from the unclean, putting the world in order for the Messiah to come. He's not even the prophet, a new Moses, who would come to bring the law to the people and restore them to the path of righteousness. John is none of these people. He is simply there to testify to the light. He is a voice crying out, the one who called his people to imagine a new paradigm. And he is the one that calls out to you, too. So, dear saints in Christ, what light might you testify to in your own life that lies beyond the demarcations of how you have ordered things? Which unfulfilled dream are you still waiting on to set sail for? What uncharted waters have you yet to find the courage and strength to discover? It seems to me that one of the great misunderstandings of the Christian faith is that it is seen as a long list of things that people should not be doing and a long list of other things that people should feel guilty about having done once they do them. When the truth is that we are called to be an ever-expanding circle of living, a breadth and a beauty we barely see, never mind comprehend. You have been called with John, to testify to light in the world. No small task, it must be said, with the events of the day oftentimes leaving the world with little illumination. Yet the calling remains for us to color and to dance and to sing outside the lines, for we cannot hope to sing joy to the world if we haven't felt it for ourselves first. A garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, says Isaiah. You and I are beckoned by divine invitation to clothe one another with the garment of salvation and the robes of righteousness and to learn to dance through the dark hours of night and on to the dawn of new life being born in us even today. Imagine a world like that. Imagine what your transgressive dancing might show further to others. Imagine a world of people, light-footed and alive with the rhythms of grace, bearing witness to the unlimited love of God, seeing one another as God sees us, vessels of his glory, indwellers of his eternal love. Imagine the stars that your life will find and point to as your joy illumines the path of others on your way to losing sight of the familiarity of land. There is nothing pedestrian about this gospel of Jesus Christ. It is one wild romantic love affair and you are in the heart of it all. In answer to Mary Oliver's poetic question as to what we should do with our one precious life, 
We should put our dancing shoes on and live it as if love set us free. You and I are called to dance into the light. Don't leave one another standing on the edge of the dance floor. The dance leads to and beyond God's birth into the world. It's time for us to get those dancing shoes on.